Merlin asked me a while back to do this, to preach Sunday morning, and it's, I don't really consider myself someone who's, I don't know, I guess good enough to preach. I don't think of myself that highly. I don't think I know anything that anyone else can't figure out or doesn't already know from what the Bible says. So I, uh, I feel like if you're asked to do something in the church, you should be willing to do it, even though you might not think of yourself able to. That's where I think faith comes in and trusting God to fill in the gaps because I'm going to get to this later, but uh, we're not enough. We don't have what it takes. It's God. That's why we surrender. That's why we submit. Because we are not enough. We do not have what it takes. It's about him. It's not about us. So um, the name, the title, I guess, of whatever I'm, uh, this is just what the Lord's taught me, reading the word and just being part of the church. This, this is just something I've been learning. If I had this perfected, then I would say I'd be a perfect Christian, but I'm far from, far from. So uh, the title of this is called What is Truth? And that is uh, quoting Pilate in John 18. I'll just read it to you real quick. Um, John 18, verses 37 and 38 says, uh, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? So that's where I got the title from. I just, I don't know. I really like those verses. I don't know how you're supposed to do this, so I just kind of do what I want and if you don't like it, don't ask me to do this again. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, so in short, to answer Pilate, because you know everyone's asking what is truth these days. Simple answer. Simple answer is Jesus is truth. In uh, John fourteen six, Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, I'm done. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're not getting off that easy. <laughs> All right. So, um, so what does that mean? I just have a little spiel here that I wrote out. If, if any of you are in my Sunday school, you know all about my spiels. Trent, he knows about it, and... Certain others of you know about my spiels. So here we go. Uh, what does that mean? To me, it means that I am a wretched, wicked, selfish, and evil man apart from Jesus. If Jesus is the truth, then anything else is a lie. And if Jesus is the way, then any other direction is wrong. And if Jesus is the life, then any other way I choose to live my life is really death to me. Now, I'm not saying that Everyone has to work in a church or anything like that. It's obviously not. The world has to keep spinning, and people need to work. But 
if you try to replace the king of your life with stuff or things or whatever else, you're just, you're missing the boat, bud. It's not going to do you much good. So, anyways. To think that you or I could live or do anything outside of him is a pipe dream. This is as simple as right and wrong, life and death, love and hate, good and evil. But we want to pretend that we can play somewhere in the middle. The truth is, the middle that we want to be a part of is just a manifestation of us being wretched, wicked, selfish, and evil, living apart from Jesus. It's interesting that we are so willing to compromise. We're in the Bible does Jesus ever ask us, or does he ever compromise? Nowhere. Zero. Never happens. Jesus says things like in Matthew. Hope you guys like awkward silences, because I'm going to turn in a lot of pages. So, In Matthew 16, uh, 24 to 26, Jesus, uh, quoting Jesus again here. Uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever's to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There's not a lot of compromise there. Let's go to another place. Matthew 10. Uh, 1036 to 40. It's Jesus again. Uh, versing, verse 36. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter is loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. I don't see where the compromise is at. I don't know where people think that they can just kind of say I believe in Jesus and I want to walk with him and then do whatever they want to do in their lives. I'm, I'm not saying this is someone who, uh, who thinks they're better than anyone else. I'm saying this is someone who was caught in this and, well, the Lord chastens those he loves and he took a baseball bat to me, so that's, that's where this is coming from. Uh, anyways. And just in case we start to think, uh, that, that, that these things are just for the disciples because this is just Jesus talking to his disciples, well, we can go to Revelation because, well, A, you're wrong, and B, I'll tell you why. Uh, Revelation, let's see, where is that at? 3, 1 through 3. Now, remember, this is after Jesus has already ascended to the Father and he's in glory, and this is just a church, just like we're a church. So um, this is Jesus again speaking to John. Uh, 
one through three. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write these things, says he who, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things that which remain, things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. It's kind of hard to... I don't know. I'm still trying to find a compromise. I'm still trying to figure out how we can live like the rest of the world and say we know Jesus. Because I don't know. I'm probably missing something. I'm always missing something. So, uh, after the Lord confronted me about how, his, how I lived, then I started to get a little bit arrogant and proud and, well, he took that away from me too. So the next question I want to ask is uh, who do we think we are? And I'm going to start here in, oh man, in Hebrews. Because people like to think that, well, because I believe in Jesus, then uh, I can come boldly to the throne of grace. That's true. So let's read that. Uh, Hebrews 4, verses 13 to 16. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Seeing then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, amen for that, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. See, there's an assumption in Hebrews here that we don't just, we come boldly to the throne of grace because of who Jesus is, not because of who we are, who we think we are. It's not about us. It's really not ever about us. The assumption is that we are in Christ. So, now, uh, let's go to one of my favorite books in the Bible, Job. Job 38. So, Job was a very good godly man, and he had all sorts of stuff, and long, just a short version. He lost all his stuff, just all his stuff. He was one of the richest men probably to ever live, but... He lost all his stuff in one day, all his kids, and it was just horrible. And 
he sits there with his friends for a little while and they're talking back and forth and they're telling him to repent of his sins, but the man was, he didn't have any sins. He didn't have any sins before God. He was a righteous man. He was uh, very, very zealous for the Lord. And uh, Job always kept his, that's one thing I noticed about Job. He always kept his focus on God. He always, he would uh, make sacrifices to the Lord just in case his children sinned. Because he, he was so focused on God, he didn't want anything to come in between him and God or his children and God. So uh, as he's sitting there talking with his friends who are trying to tell him he's done something wrong, uh, he takes his eyes off of the Lord and he starts trying to justify himself. So uh, in chapter 38, where I'm going to start reading, is uh, this is when the Lord responds to Job. I would be terrified if I was Job. But, uh, yeah. Verses, where is that? 1 through 13. Uh, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measures, measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut in the sea with doors? When it burst forth from, eh, when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment, and thick clouds, its swallowing band. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no further. And here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked will be shaken out of it? pretty humbling to me. I mean, who are you? Where were you at the creation? I wasn't there. I'm just some schmuck. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Now we're going to jump over to Psalms. Hope you guys like listening to me read because you're going to get plenty of that this morning. Psalms 139. Now maybe you're thinking, well, maybe I'll just hide from the Lord then. If I can't beat him, I'll hide, right? It's a nice idea. But Psalms 139 uh, verses 7 to 12. This is David talking to the, writing a psalm to the Lord. And, uh, yeah. He says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. 
and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both light to you. I hope, I hope that if you claim to be a Christian, that you have a big God, because I don't know how you can read a, the Bible and say you believe it and not have a big God. There's people this morning sharing about trials and struggles and problems. I'm sure I know I don't have any answers or help, but I serve one. He's everywhere. He spoke the world into creation and he is higher, he is better, he is stronger. I don't know. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. All right. Um, now we're going to jump back to Job. Job, uh, Job 41. Now, um, here God's also talking to Job again. And um, he's talking about this creature called Leviathan back in their time, which, to the best of my understanding, it must have been some sort of dinosaur because we don't have creatures like this. It's pretty terrifying. Anyways, uh, yep, verse 101. Okay, so starting verse 1. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? Or snare his tongue with a line which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose? Or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will, he take, will you take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him as a bird? Or will you leash him for your maidens? Will your, will your companions make a banquet of him? Will they apportion him among the uh, merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. Never do it again. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Shall one not, uh, shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him? No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has preceded me? that I should pay him. Everything under heaven is mine. So. I'm hoping you're picking up what I'm trying to lay down here. All right, now we're going to go to one of the books of the Bible that People don't spend a whole lot of time in, which, yeah, I mean, it's minor prophets, so. Hosea, um, Hosea 7, uh, 13 to 15. Now, I just want to say that the reason I'm jumping around so much in the Bible is um, to show, not that anyone else can't figure this out, but to show through and through from front to back that 
uh, it's got the pretty much the same message all the way through. I'm not trying to take stuff out of context or make the Bible say what I wanted to say. I think this is just a good way to showing you that that the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. But he's shown us so much grace. I think we ought to tremble because of that grace. Okay. A little dry throat. Hosea 7, 13 to 15. Okay. Woe to them, for they have fled from me. Destruction to them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I redeem them, yet they have spoken lies against me. They do not cry out to me with their heart. When they wailed upon their beds, they assemble together for grain and new wine. They rebel against me. Though I discipline and strengthen their arms, yet they devise evil against me. This is uh, Hosea saying what the Lord said to him. Or Yeah, anyways. This is the Lord talking about the Israelite people, how they have strayed from him. And I think uh, even though we can come to church every Sunday morning and talk about God, I think in our hearts we can also do the same thing that they did. We can stray from him, even though we can sit in warm pews just as well as any warm body can. So I think we're just as guilty as anyone else can be. Because it's about the heart. It's not about what you look like. It's not about what you wear. Those things might help, but it's about the heart. Where's your heart? Okay, now uh, I'm going to go to Malachi 1 6. This is a man, this is a good verse. This is the Lord speaking through Malachi, prophet, another minor prophet. Um, he says, verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Some people might think I'm a little weird in how I live my life, but I want to have reverence for the Lord, and I want to honor the Lord, because he has created me, so ergo, he's my father. And he is my master, so. All right, um, let's see. Oh, I messed up. Oh, no. Uh, I'm going to go back to Psalms real quick here. Probably my favorite psalm. Psalm 113. I'm just sharing you with all my favorite verses today. Hope you like that because I do. So, uh, Psalm 113, we're going to read uh, 1 to 6. Praise the Lord. Praise, O you servant. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its going down, the name, the, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high? This is a verse that 
you really want to pay attention to, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. So about, I don't know, probably the second or third time I read through the Psalms, that verse just kind of smacked me across the face. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I see, if I was smart enough to figure out computers and stuff, I would have a bunch of cool stuff up here for you to look at, but I'm not, so we don't. But, uh, yeah. You ever seen pictures from, like, the Hubble telescope and stuff? Like the amazing pictures of the galaxy and planets and stars and stuff? That's pretty cool. Oh, Bible just said that he, God lowers himself to look at that. That's got to be a pretty big God. That's got to be a pretty great God. And I, I went out to Idaho a while back to go, go run some parts for my brothers. We broke a tractor, and I had to go pick up an axle, too. But anyways, ran out there, and uh, I, was just, I was just shocked by seeing the mountains out there and just the beautiful rolling hills and stuff like that. It was just amazing. And going beside the Snake River, how it just, uh, it's just amazing. Or if you've ever seen the Grand Canyon, I haven't I've seen pictures. I think it'd be cool to see in real life, but I haven't been there. But uh, he humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. That's kind of mind blowing. So, so I'm going to be changing gears a little bit. I hope I painted a pretty good picture of just how big my God is that I serve. I hope that uh, you guys aren't falling asleep too much on me yet. There's still more boring of talking for me to do. So Mark 7 Uh, verses 10, 10 to 13. Okay. So I'm changing gears a little bit here. Uh, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. This is quoting Jesus again. And he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is korban, that is, a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. So, if I'm throwing you off a little bit, why I brought that up, I think uh, it's to say that we have a tendency as people that want to be right and want to do whatever we want to do and get away with it, that we try to make the word of God fit our image. We, we try to twist it and make it say we want what we want it to say because we don't want to be confronted with our sinfulness and God's righteousness and the relationship that is truly there. But it's not going to do us any good because one day we're actually going to be standing before the one that gave us this word that we can uh, that we can see just who we are and who he is and how much we need him. So I put this in here to show you that even 
back when Jesus was on the earth, he was confronting wrongs that people were doing to the perfect law. Because, I mean, the Bible says many times that the law was made perfect. And because of the law, it showed our sinfulness and we died. So, I just want to show you even Jesus had to confront people's twisting of what God said in his word. And I think we do that today. I mean, how do you have such a huge spectrum between different people that claim to be Christians? How do you have some people that are very conservative and then you have some people that you can't tell they're a Christian unless they tell you? I'm not a genius, but something's going on here. So, be that as may. So along that line, let's read in, it's still only going to be one verse in Romans, Romans 12, verse 2, right, it's okay, I'm, this is my first time, it takes me forever to find what I wrote. And I got bad handwriting, so if someone wants to translate my own handwriting to me, that'd be great. All right. Yep, 12 to you. Uh, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, we don't change God's word. God word God's word is what changes us. That's why when I'm doing whatever I do, work, whatever, church, I don't try to tell people necessarily what they're doing wrong. I just kind of point them to the Bible. I let the Bible tell them what they're doing wrong because I'm not the judge. The one who wrote this book's the judge. I'm just a schmuck trying to tell people, read that book. It'll tell you what to do. It's not hard to figure out. So, um, and to go along with that, Ephesians Ephesians 4 20 You would think I'd make some marks in my Bible so it'd be easy to find and you know whatever. Uh yeah, Ephesians 4 20 through 24. Uh But you have not, eh, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you know, and, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Where is that? I just got lost in my own thing. Good job. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted. Okay, good. Okay. So I hope that 
show you a nice little picture there of how we are to let God's word have its work in us and not us do any work to God's word. We like to switch the flip because it's easier than allowing God to change us. You know, we try to change what he thinks and that doesn't really work too well. So, all right. Now, let's talk about being in Christ. We're going to go to John. wish Mr. Records was here because he would really love this part. John 15. So you might be thinking to yourself, well then, as I did, how am I supposed to be doing this? How am I supposed to be changing like this? Jesus gives us the answer again. All right, John 15 says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus again. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. That's the key. And I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. So, God's up here. We're down here. We need him. All right. Um, I just lost my spot. Good job. Anyway. Abide in me and I in you. Um, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's pretty explicit. There's like, can't even do a little bit, a little bit? No, no nothing, zilch. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. That's, that's brought an interesting thing to my mind when I read this verse because some people have the belief that once you get saved, you will always be saved, the once saved, always saved thing. And kind of looks like to me here what Jesus is saying, if, if you don't continue in him and his ways and following and pursuing him, then uh, kind of looks like you're going to be cut off and thrown into a place that's not so fun. Maybe I'm not reading correctly, which that's, that's fair too. All right. Uh, if, I, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Ah, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Sometimes it's hard to love one another. Greater love, 
Greater love has no one than this, than that, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Well, yeah. Do whatever I command you. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be a friend of Jesus. Sometimes Jesus asks me to do things that I'm not comfortable with. Like, I don't know, standing in front of a bunch of people I know. You know, talking and stuff. Yep, it's a good time. It's a real party up here. You should join me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm having fun. Okay. So, yeah. Sometimes Jesus asks me to do things I don't want to do. And I must do them. Because he is my master and my Lord. But the alternative is not good. So I would rather be a slave to Christ than a slave to my own sins. And a slave to my own passions. Because, well, I'm not a genius, but it's not hard to figure out. You stand before a righteous God when you you got a bunch of sin in your life. That's going to be a bad time. Anyway. Okay, this, um, I'm glad I wrote this down. I would have not remembered any of this stuff. Philippians, there's a verse in Philippians that people like to quote. It's like a rally cry. It's like a battle cry. Like uh, 4.13. It's kind of funny, but I think people don't understand what it really means. We're going to talk about it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They like most of the verse. I don't think, I think there's about two words that they get a little confused. Well, maybe one. I, okay, I like that. Can, I like that too. Do all things. Well, I really like doing all things. Through Christ, now that's a problem. But Christ who strengthens me? I like Christ strengthening me, but through Christ. What is that supposed to mean? Well, I believe that's, uh, that's where the problem comes into that verse because people try to use that as like, uh, well, I can do whatever I want because Christ will strengthen me through it. Well, there's that through part that's going to mess you up. See, in, I got real fancy. I used the interlinear, and it had like Greek words and stuff. I got fancy, y'all. <laughs> so uh, in the Greek... Um, through is just N. It's E-N. It's, um, it's a primary uh, preposition denoting fixed position. Those are big words. It means it's a stuck. It's, a, it's really like welded it's permanent position. It's in there. It's all about it. Well, that might be a little hitch in your giddy-up because if you're in Jesus, then you're not trying to do your own thing. You're going to do what he wants you to do, and sometimes it's probably not what you want to do. So, um, going back to John there where we read the I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, Jesus uses this word abide, 
and it is, uh, in Greek, it is meno, M-E-N-O with a straight line over it. I don't know what that means, but it's for smarter people than me, apparently. So uh, the definition of that word is to stay in a given place, time, or state. So they're very similar words. I wish they would use the exact same word. That'd make my life easier, but they are given the same idea, like you stay, you're fixed, it's where you're at, you're in Jesus. So what does that mean, to be in Jesus? Well, um, the beginning of John, if I can find it, be helpful. Okay, this very beginning of John, I could probably ask, several kids in here that did Bible quizzing and they probably quote it off for me. But um, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life and life was the light of men. So in, well, in Jesus, Jesus is his word, in the word. Okay, so read the Bible. That's, that's not hard to figure out. And do what it says. I have, a, I have a little, I don't know what you say, like a thing that I live by. I don't know, fancy words. But it's read, pray, do. Read the Bible. Pray, ask for the Holy Spirit to guide you. Just whatever he wants you to do, submit yourself to him. And then do whatever, do whatever he tells you. Good, bad, whatever. Do what he tells you. Read, pray, do. So, yeah. I don't know how long I'm supposed to go. But... So where do I get this idea? I kept on saying that I'm a slave of Christ. Well, 1 Corinthians. That's, that's, that's not 1 Corinthians. Good job. 1 Corinthians 7. Seven, twenty-two, and twenty-three. Uh, one more page. Okay. Uh, for he who is called in the Lord, while a slave, is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Well, that's why I get it. We're, we're very proud of our freedom in this country, but no one wants to be a slave to Jesus. We want to be free to do and say and be whoever we want to be. I, I don't know if that's a good idea. I think to whom many blessings have been given, there will be much expectation of what we do with the blessings 
that we are given. If God owns everything in the world and he has given you freedom to do nearly anything you want in this country, I feel like we have a responsibility to do whatever he wants us to do. I'm not going to get practical and tell you what to do. That's the Lord's job. God knows your heart. I'm just a guy writing stuff down and talking for a minute. So, so uh, yeah, getting pretty close to wrapping up here. I got another little spiel here. Uh, the idea isn't, I need Jesus to be good. No. The idea, the idea, the truth, is that we cannot do it. We need to surrender to Jesus. And if we will, he is able to do what we can't. If we humble ourselves before him, then get out of his way. He can take whatever we give him and turn it into something for the good. So um, there's, a, there's a quote from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in uh, his book called The Cost of the Discipleship. Now, I don't know if y'all know who he is, but he's World War, he was World War II German uh, pastor, and uh, he was not a fan of Hitler, obviously. And um, he wrote this book because he, well, anyways. Um, let's see. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. We die to ourselves that we can live in Christ. It's not we that do it ourselves. We got to get out of the way. I know I have to get out of the way to continue to get out of the way. So, I think uh, I could sit up here and talk all day, but you know, time keeps on ticking. People have lives and stuff. I don't know what a life is, but you know. The rest of y'all thing have those things. I don't know. So I'm gonna close out with a word of prayer, and uh, y'all be dismissed. Father, I thank you that you are kind, and you are just, and you are holy. That there's nothing we can do, because if we were able to do it, then we could be proud and say that we did it ourselves. But you have done all things because you deserve all the glory and all the praise and you will judge and you will have perfect and righteous judgment because you will be able to show how you have been kind and gracious to us and I thank you for that Lord I pray that you would help us to be humble to submit ourselves to you to not be proud of our being religious or proud of our arrogance thinking we're something that we're not Lord Father I pray that you would just fill us with your spirit this day Help us to walk in humility and love, to be gracious and kind to one another, to live more like Jesus and less like ourselves. In the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would work in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.